Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Thanks, you guys. Good morning, everyone. Man, I hope your summer's been going well. It's flying along. I uh, have been busy. I've been, been up here for a while. I've been busy practicing to take the Kiki Challenge. And um, it's, uh, for those of you who know me, that is a challenge. It's definitely tough. Um, for those of you that don't know what the Kiki Challenge is, which I'm assuming is quite a few of you, which is surprising because usually I'm late to the party. Uh, anyways, it's probably better that you don't know. So, and there's really neither hope nor reason for me being able to do it, so don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, all right. We've been going through summer, and it's been flying along, and one of the things that I've been really excited about, and, and again this year, it's just been awesome for me, I hope it's been really good for you, is uh, just having our camp speakers here taking part in some of our Sunday morning services with us as they come up to uh, speak at camp, and uh, last week, Randy Carter was here, and he did just an amazing job talking about something that we're going to be talking about as well, uh, again, next week. And so, I'm, I'm, always, I'm not going to go into it a lot this morning, but I'm always amazed, I'm very interested and intrigued when God lays it upon the heart of someone to come in and speak on a topic that is so closely related to what we're doing without them knowing what we're doing and, and so on. So I think God is up to something here. And um, I'm looking forward to, to just seeing that play out and where he takes us with it. But in the weeks between our camp speakers, we've been in a series on becoming like Christ. And as soon as I say that, you recognize that that's a huge topic. Like that is a, an expansive spectrum of material to try and digest and then apply. And so what we've done is we've taken John Stott's breakdown uh, and we're using it as sort of a guide to tackle that, that goal. And so John Stott um, says that we are to become like Christ in five different ways. First of all, we're to become like him in humility. Then we're to become like him in love. We're to become like Jesus in his service we're to become like him in his suffering or in his sacrifice, and we're to become like him in his mission. And so we started off looking at humility, then Gord did an awesome job a couple of weeks back of talking about becoming like Christ in his love, and then this morning now we're going to talk about becoming like Christ in his service. And specifically this morning, I'm going to approach that in direct my remarks towards the idea of serving like Christ in relation to the body, in relation to the church and to other Christians. So before we dive in, let's take a moment and pray. And we're going to pray this morning that God would come and speak to us. 
And that we wouldn't just hear words today, but that we would hear from him about what it means for each one of us individually and what it means for us corporately to become like Jesus. And that we wouldn't interpret it ourselves, that we wouldn't try and run it through our grid, but that we would allow God to speak into our lives without reservation. That he would be able to speak freely into each of our worlds so that we would hear from him and not try and temper it from our own perspective. So if you would, bow with me and let's pray. Father, today, we come before you and we acknowledge you as our God. And Father, this morning, we recognize that in committing our lives to you, that we are now committed to this idea of becoming like Jesus. That that needs to be our priority. That that needs to be our foremost objective in life. And to that end now, I would ask that by your Spirit, that you would come and that you would direct us in that. To that same goal, that you would come and work in our hearts and our minds. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds to the ways in which you would have for us to apply this objective. Break down our inhibitions, break down our barriers, break through the challenges that we arbitrarily put up between us and that goal. And so I ask that for Jesus' sake, that you would come and do that now, and I pray in his name. Amen. All right, this morning, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 13. The Gospel of John chapter 13, and we're going to read the first 17 verses. Verses 1 to 17. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one from the pew in front of you. There should be one close by, or you're always welcome to, of course, follow along on the screens. Read with me. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And now, we're going to just pause there for a minute. And I, I just, it's important that we just consider something here. If I get hit by a bus, we're not going to talk about this today, but if I get hit by a bus, don't want anybody to miss this point when they come to this passage. Note here that God that Jesus knows exactly what is going on. That he is fully aware of the stage that things are at. That his ministry time is coming to an end. That he is about to go to the cross. That's not something that is unknown to him. It is very much known to him. He is fully aware of that. What's more is that he recognizes and understands that he has 
the authority and the power to arbitrarily overrule that. That it is within his authority and that it is within his power to change that. That he could supersede that eventuality. That he does not have to be subject to that. God has given him that authority. The Father has given him that power. But he does it anyway. Knowing what is coming. And despite the fact that he has the authority and he has the power to change that, to bring about a different conclusion for himself, He chooses to proceed. And with that backdrop now, we have this interesting segue in verse 4. So Jesus got up from the meal, knowing all of this, understanding his ability, he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Again, we're not going to get into this too much today. But he's alluding to the fact that he's going to wash Peter's feet now. But that's symbolic of the fact that he is going to wash away Peter's sins, yours and my sins, on the cross just around the corner. This is just a symbolic act. It's a foreshadowing of the washing that he's about to provide for you and me. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet, not understanding where Jesus is going with this. Jesus answered him, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Which again, is symbolic of the fact that if we do not subscribe to Jesus Christ, if we do not come to a place in our lives where we accept him as Lord and Savior, that he has no part of us. So he says to Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said that not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, 
No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's funny to me that more often than not, it seems that this passage is set apart as a, as a kid's passage. Part of the kid's Bibles, washing each other's feet. And it's left alone by us adults. You know, I think to myself sometimes, if my Bible was taken away, if I had just one page that I could take with me, if I got this page, it would provide me with more than enough to work on for the rest of my life, to wrap my head around, and to begin to apply in my life. It's just an amazing piece of Scripture. But I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. Suppose, suppose this morning that Jesus was to come in person, to show up to you in person. Not, not right here, right now. Not with us corporately. But at some point when you're alone, by yourself, and Jesus just showed up, walked in, And he came in, and he said, Hey, Sandy. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Larry. Hey, Keith. Would you do this for me? I've got this thing that I'd like you to do. W would you be willing do this for me? How would that play out for you? What would you say? How would you respond? I want us to just take a minute and think about that. Contemplate that for a moment. What would that look like for you today? Now, as we come back to this passage of Scripture, like I said, it is chock full of things to unpack. But this morning, I want to limit us to three things, three specific things. And the first one is Jesus' focus. We need to consider His focus this morning. Now, I mentioned before, we're told that Jesus realizes that he's aware that his time is drawing to a close. That his ministry here on earth is coming to a conclusion. And that he's about to die. And yet, what we see here is not that the focus becomes on him. That he doesn't focus on himself. Now, Jesus being Jesus, 
I think it's fair to say that at any point, it would be reasonable for the focus to be on him. But at this point now, given what we know is about to happen, understanding where he's at, what he's facing, about what he's, uh, what he's about to embark on and into, surely at this point it would be reasonable for the focus to become on him now. That others would be focused on serving his needs. That everyone would be committed to doing his bidding. Making sure that nothing was overlooked on his behalf. But rather, what we find is that Jesus stays focused on those around him. John 13 verse 1, part B says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That despite what he was going to endure shortly, his focus was on loving his people to the end. There's the nail on which it hangs, like God said. There's Christ's love, and his love is manifested in service to those around him. Love leads to service this morning. We need to understand that. Service is the natural consequence of love. It is the natural outcome of love. That we would serve one another because of Christ's love for us and our love then for others around us. Number two. First of all, we've got to remember that if we're going to become like Christ in service, we have to have his focus on serving those around us. Number two, we see Jesus' perspective and his mindset. Now at that time, many of you will remember, many of you know, that it was customary when people were coming into your home that you would wash their feet, that they would arrive and that their feet would be dirty after having traveled to get to your house. And so it was the convention then that you would have one of your servants, a slave, wash the feet of your guests. And that was because they walked in sandals, and they also walked down dirty trails, dusty, dirty roads and trails. And they weren't the only one that used those trails. It wasn't just people. Animals used them as well. And animals, as you know, do their thing when they're prone to do their thing, wherever they happen to be at the time, on the trail that they're taking to wherever they're being led. And then it's left there for others to have to navigate through and after. And so, when you arrived to someone's house as a guest, then you would wash their feet so that you didn't have to endure, then they didn't have to endure all that goes with that, as then you enjoyed a meal together. 
There's even some evidence to say that this was such a lowly job that it was reserved for the lowliest of the servants. The bottom of the heap, servant-wise, slave-wise. And, and, and some evidence exists for the fact that if you were coming into a Jewish home and you happen to have a Jewish slave, you wouldn't even allow your Jewish slaves to wash the feet of your guests. That would be reserved for a Gentile slave because it would be even beneath a Jewish slave to wash the feet of a Gentile. Even though they're a slave, it would be beneath the level of a Jewish slave to wash a Gentile's feet. So this was reserved for the lowliest of the lowly of slaves. But we see in this case that as they come together, as they're getting together, Jesus and his disciples, they're they're not actually in any one of their homes. They're in a different spot. And so there is no host, per se, to look after this issue, to deal with this. So the foot washing just isn't getting done. The guests, the guests aren't being washed because there's no host that, is, that has identified that as an objective. Now, there was no way that the disciples were going to wash each other's feet. That, I don't think that that thought would have even dawned on them. That would have been so far b- below them the, the thought would never even occur to them. And so th- there's no chance that they're going to do that for each other. But in John 13, verses 4 and 5, we see that somebody is paying attention. The thought has occurred to someone. So Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Just as they're about to begin their meal, Jesus sees the situation, gets up, and addresses it. And herein, we see Christ's perspective. Christ went through his life conscious of what was going on around him, conscious of who was around him, and conscious of their needs. This isn't something that just kind of dawned on him. That, oh, son of a gun, look at what that, we haven't addressed that. He was aware of the fact that in this circumstance, this job isn't getting done. And so because of his perspective, being alert and having focused himself on making sure that he's picking up on those things, those opportunities to care for others, he gets up and addresses the job. And secondly, then we see his mindset. That not only is he aware of it, not only is he being alert to the need, but that despite the fact that this is the lowliest of jobs, despite the fact 
that this would be reserved for the bottom rung of your slave crew. That's of no consequence to Christ. That's of no importance. It's of no regard. And he gets up, takes off his outer cloak, and wraps a towel around his waist and sets to the job. And at that point, not only is he now doing the job of the slave, but he's looking the part of the slave as well, because that's exactly how a slave would have done it. They would have had no fancy cloaks. They would have had a towel wrapped around their waist, and they would get at the job. And so there's no mistaking what Christ is doing here. He looks the part and he is playing the part because in his mind, the job is not of any consequence. The, the, the menialness of the task is of no regard. The need is the issue. And he sets out to address it. If we're going to become like Christ in service, then we have to share Christ's perspective and his mindset. We have to be looking consciously, day by day, for the needs of the people around us and the circumstances and the situations that we're in so that we can then, regardless of what the job is and who it should be reserved for, that we would step in and fill that need. Number three. We need to see and focus on Jesus' intention. John 13, verses 14 and 15. Tell us that directly. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Again, there is no mistaking it here. This wasn't sort of an afterthought that later on he said, oh yeah, by the way, you know, that thing that I did earlier, yeah, pay attention to that. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a good point too. Work that into your thoughts and in your plans and your priorities for life. Very directly, very intentionally, Christ comes along and says, this is my purpose in doing this. I am setting for you an example as to how we are now to live our lives as his followers. That we would be that focused as well. That there would not be any doubt in our mind as to our role in that. That we would prioritize our lives in such a way as to accomplish the same thing. This isn't a mistake or an afterthought. This is God's specific intention. If we're going to become like Christ in service, we have to be that intentional as well, as to follow that example. Now I want to come back to that question that I asked you earlier. If Jesus were to show up and ask you, if you would do something for him today, what would you say? 
Well, in a room this large, I think that there's probably a spectrum of responses. For some of us this morning, I think we're waiting for Jesus to show up and ask us to do something. That we're open to it. That we would lend ourselves to the plan and to the project if Jesus would just show up and tell me what he wants me to do. And so we're waiting for him. When we need to understand that Jesus has already shown up and asked us to do something for him. That by his word here and by his spirit day by day, he is showing up in our lives and asking us, Hey, Doug, would you be willing to do this for me today? In service to your brothers and sisters in Christ, in service to my church, would you do this for me today? And we need to understand today that that is no different than Jesus showing up in person himself. That by his spirit this morning, by his spirit tomorrow, when he shows up and asks us, when he draws to our attention a need, that that is every bit as legitimate as him showing up and talking to you personally and saying, would you do this for me? Day in and day out, the Holy Spirit is talking to you and I about how we can personally serve God by serving His body. We're being called to serve. But we keep waiting for God to show up in person, for Jesus to arrive in the flesh. We keep waiting for some gold-embossed invitation when it's already in the mailbox. Christ wrapped a towel around his waist and washed their feet. And he said, now go and do likewise. For some of us this morning, the idea of Jesus showing up and asking us if we would do something for him would cause us to fixate on the job. As we contemplate that, we start to think to ourselves, well, what is it that he's going to ask? Before I can answer it, I need to know what the job is so that I can consider it. We want to be able to sit back and evaluate the job. We want to be able to decide whether or not that that fits into our wheelhouse or not. We want to be able to make an assessment and a judgment about whether we're in on that or whether we're not. Whether there's somebody else that's maybe better suited to be able to do that job. And we need to get away from fixating on the job. We can't be inundated trying to go around and around and evaluate what it is that we're being asked to do. Because Jesus has demonstrated, firstly, that there is nothing below us. If Christ was ready to do that job, then far be it from me to say no.
So the answer is yes. Jesus is asking me to do a job. I don't have to qualify the job. He's demonstrated that it's all within the spectrum that should be open from my perspective. And then what's more is on the other side of that coin. Maybe you're on the other side of that coin and you're thinking, I, I want to know about the job because I don't know if I'm qualified, whether or not I've got the goods to get that job done. And we need to know on that regard this morning that if Jesus asks you to do a job, you are automatically qualified for the job by God himself. That he hasn't asked you by accident. Because at the end of the day, it's not our ability that's going to get it done anyway. It's by his ability. As we allow him to work in and through us to do the things that he knows are for us to do. So we've got to quit fixating on the job, whether it's because we're concerned that it's below us or whether we're concerned that we don't have the ability to get it done. We just got to get at the jobs that he asks us to do. D.L. Modi, I need to point out something here. This, this is not to say that it is your responsibility or my responsibility or any one of our responsibilities to do it all. God is not asking you to shoulder the whole load. So don't hear me saying that this morning. What I am saying this morning is that it is our responsibility to shoulder some of the load. And so if we look at our lives and there is not something that we are doing to serve the body, to serve one another, to, to build and grow us together corporately, then there's a problem there. That that's an issue. Not that we have to do the whole job ourselves. D.L. Moody wrote the following words next to, 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 in, in his Bible next to the verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 6.8. Isaiah 6.8 is where God is saying to Isaiah, who will go for us? Who will go and take on this job? So God's asking, who will, who will go? Who's willing? And D.L. Moody wrote in his Bible next to that verse, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. For some of us this morning, when it comes to this idea of Jesus asking us if we would do something, we just never quite get around to answering the question. Right off the hop, we get sidetracked into thinking about how busy we are. Already doing so much stuff that is undoubtedly important to God, that he would deem important that he would be satisfied and happy that I am doing. And we start to consider our schedule and the fact that it's already full. And we start to say things to ourselves like, if only there was more time. If only there were two of me, I'd be happy to take that on. It's a worthwhile cause, but you just don't understand how busy I am. 
And in short order, without actually having answered the question, we've answered the question. The answer is no. But our focus this morning should be to love and serve one another to the end so that he should never have to ask. God should never have to ask us to do anything. Because if our focus is to love and serve to the end, then that is our impetus. Then we are already inclined and heading in that direction. And we are ordering our world. We're reprioritizing our lives such that we can get that job done. That we can become like Christ in service because I block out parts of my world in order to make sure that I accomplish that. That other things are demoted in my priorities in order so that that priority can be lifted up and to become more of a priority because that's what it takes for me to become like Christ and that is now my primary objective as a follower of Jesus. Serving God by serving the body should never be a question. It's not about what we do, it's about who we are. And so we can get to that point by praying for God to give us that perspective and that priority in our world, in our lives that focus, and for then the Holy Spirit to be guiding us and revealing to us those opportunities to serve around us. Church family, we're doing really well as a church, largely on account of the fact that many of you, when Christ is coming and asking you to do these things, you're saying yes. You're getting involved. You're making stuff happen. And we are doing great as a church. We're growing. More people are coming. People are committing their lives to the Lord. And that's amazing. But we haven't arrived yet. There is still more to be done and more that we can do. Right now, we are still a church in search of people for ministry. Week in and week out, we have holes and we have areas where we need support and help to accomplish different ministry things. And we're searching for people that would do something for God. We want to become a church that is in search of ministry for our people. Where, where we as a church are out identifying new needs, new opportunities to serve those around us. Because of all the people that are dialing it up, phoning in, saying, Count me in. How can I be of help? Where can I fit in? What can I do to move this effort forward? 
We're making ripples in the pond of our community right now. We can make waves together. But it's going to take all of us to do that. Not just some of us, all of us. I see that church. I see that church ahead where everyone is committed, where everyone's dialed in, where everyone is focused on becoming like Christ. That's the, that's the church where the Kids Quest program is popping. And everybody wants to bring their kids because it is so full of people that are committed to serving those kids for the sake of their eternity. I see that church. That's the church where there's never, never, ever a waiting list to get into a small group because we don't have a leader. But instead, there is somebody willing at a moment's notice to stand up and say, okay, by the grace of God, I will go and lead a group because it's unacceptable that anybody should ever be left behind. I see, I see that church where kids are ready, willing to to drop Fortnite in order to show up at youth every week because their leaders there are so invested into their lives that they wouldn't dream of missing it, not even for a video game. Now, I see that church where our cornerstone ministry has people coming out, where people that have been living their lives for literally decades, unconcerned, unaware of God, but all of a sudden in their golden years, saying, what's up with that? I've got to find out what's going on and are coming out then where they hear about Jesus Christ on account of some committed people that are making things happen and getting people involved and intrigued. Do you see that church this morning? Do, do you see that church, the waves that we can make for Jesus Christ's sake? I pray that you do. That's the church that are convinced, fully persuaded to become like Jesus Christ, where everyone is stepping up to that pl plate and saying, okay, Lord, have your way with me today. Use me where you will for your son's sake. Some of you were with me until I got to this part. Now you're saying, okay, Doug, that was all good until it became an advertisement. Right? I know. I spend a lot of time thinking about this. Do I go this extra mile this morning? Do I get into the dirt? And I want you to know that this morning, I've, I am convinced that this is not self-serving. This isn't just Doug trying to pump FBC's tires. And I know that for a fact. And I know it for two reasons. Number one is because I'm convinced that this applies to every church. Not just FBC. If you're here visiting today and you belong to another church, then you need to go home and be involved in that church. Everybody 
is called to this, whatever church you're from. Just so happens that FBC is the best one, so you probably want to be here. And secondly, I know that this is not self-serving because of verse 17. Verse 17 says, Jesus speaking to us, now that you know these things, now that you know what I've just laid out for you, you will be blessed if you do them. This morning, the fact is that the benefit accrues firstly to you and to me when we do what God calls us to do. That's when he can reach into our lives and he can make things resonate and ring like they've never rung for us before. We wonder why our faith is a Sunday thing, an addendum to our lives. It's sort of, sort of how it has an Vague sum of importance, but that really doesn't make a difference, that really doesn't seem to resonate or ring for me day by day. And here's the problem right here, because we don't engage with God, because we don't lean into him and allow him to work in our lives. I'm challenging you, church family, lean in today. Open yourself up to God. Let him speak into your world. Let him take you into places of service that you've never dreamed of going before and watch him show up. Watch him make a difference in your life. Watch your faith become real. Watch you find a life that you've never dreamed was possible as you, as you lose it for him in service. Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, thank you for your son. Thank you, Lord, that despite knowing what was coming, that despite having the ability and the authority to change it so that he wouldn't have to navigate the junk on our behalf, that he nonetheless chose to anyway so that we have this opportunity to know you this possibility of a future for eternity with you rather than one separated from you in hell. And this morning, God, now for Jesus' sake and his sake alone, would you make us like your son? Lead us and guide us, God. Help us to serve you with abandon by serving one another and thereby bless each one here. Bless them as they do and build our testimony for you throughout our community so that others might come to know him as well. And I pray this again in his name. Amen. Church family, I recognize this morning, I'm not so obtuse as to rec not recognize that serving God takes people that are committed to a mission and that are ready to suffer and sacrifice for that. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about next week. I hope you're all here. I'll see you then.